Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. We're doing Rebel with the Cause. We're talking about swimming upstream, going against the flow. How about the weather this past week? It was swimming upstream a little bit. That was, uh, that was unusual. That was different. We had snow on Monday and summer on Friday. So that was, uh, that was quite incredible. I hope you enjoyed it. We want to try to do something here to begin uh, this morning. You know, we like to go through, we learn, right? How do we learn? Hear, see, do, hear, see, do. So this activity we're getting ready to do actually is really important in the message today. So I hope you all will participate because we're going to do an activity where we have a chance to hear and see and do. In West Falls Church, you're going to do the same thing. In Grace Live, we're going to have some GoPros. You can see what's going on. So if you'll turn your eyes over this way, you can see we have a beach ball. Up top, down here, okay? This is team one. Team one, lower levels, team one. Team two is upper level. Make sense? Okay, here's the goal. You're, you're in competition against each other. Two teams in competition. The goal is up here, right? You got to Dan's going to throw the ball out, and boom, 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 boom. you got to try to get it all the way across, hit the wall, get it all the way back before the team down here does the exact same thing. All right, wait a minute. There's one other thing, because today is all about love. Love is as love does. Love is an action. So every time the ball is hit, the whole team, the whole team, all team one and all team two, you have to say love. Does it make sense? Anytime somebody argues, love. And so boom, 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 all the way hit the wall, all the way back. Now, upper deck, team two, you guys got an extra challenge up there. Because you see, you can see the shape of the room. You have a larger distance to go across, and you have these big two aisle ways to get across. I bring that up to say this. It's harder, but also please don't lean across the edge, the rail too much. Uh, Washingtonians are so competitive. We did this one time, and I thought somebody's going to fall down. All right? So here we go. All right? So when I say go, West Falls, Pastor Derek's going to release you. Let's see who does it the fastest. Ready? On your mark. Get set. Go. Love, 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 love. Let's go. Okay. Team one's in the lead. Come on. All the way to the wall. All the way to the wall. Okay. Okay. All right. Go, 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 go. Boom. Oh, man. Let's cheer him on. Keep going. Keep going. You can do it. These, these guys are going to do it again. Oh, bingo. Okay. All right. All right. You did have a farther distance go. You're about 30 seconds behind, but you did it. These guys decided to do it twice. Okay. That's okay. Somebody grab the ball before we lose control of the hole. All right. There you go. Okay, we're going to explain that in a minute, but the title of the message is Love is as Love Does, because love is an action, and, 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 and love acts. It never sits back. Like, it, it, it initiates. It's what we're going to talk about today. It doesn't sit back and wait for somebody else to move. Love actually reaches out, and in this, in this uh, experiment we just did, this exercise, if you had just sat there, and the ball bounced your way, and you just sat there, well, then it's game over, right? And that's the same way it is with our relationships. We have to do something. So this is what we want to talk about today, and I hope that you'll remember this throughout the week. Love does because love is in action. So this sermon that we're looking at in 1 John, very, very practical sermon. 1 John, it's a poetic sermon. It's very practical, extremely practical in nature, right? It talks about how my relationship with God, how can I make sense of my relationship with God by understanding how I relate to other people? So in other words, my relationship with God affects my relationship with other people and we often think of that, but how about this? My relationship with other people affects my relationship with God. 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, he says this. He says, you know, if you're at church and you're there ready to make things right with God and you remember, oh my gosh, oh, I have a broken relationship somewhere. He says what? He says, leave the church, go make it right with that person, and then come back. So what is Christ trying to communicate to us? The same thing that John's trying to communicate to us in this sermon. That our relationship with people affects our relationship with God. And that is very, very important. It's very practical how it all works. So quick review, because we've been building to this sermon today, right? This is a third sermon in this Rebel with a Cause series about swimming against the flow, going against the stream, right? So Easter Sunday, he talked about forgiveness. And we said some, sometimes people think, you know, hey, if God is so loving, why can't, why can't God just forgive? Why can't God, you know, why can't he just forgive? And the interesting thing about it is that you and I don't work that way. If there's somebody that we love and they hurt us deeply, like really, really hurt us and you really love them, do you just like, oh, no big deal, I forgive you? No. No, none of us functions that way. And so John is saying in this sermon, he says, you know how you function in your relationships in life? It works the same way. And so that's why Jesus had to suffer on the cross because forgiveness hurts. It hurts a lot. You and I hurt when somebody we love hurts us. So Jesus goes to the cross and he suffers. He said, I'm forgiving you. That was week number one. Last week, we talked about Jesus saying this statement. I am the way. I am the only way to restoring your relationship with God. And we man, that can sound offensive. That can sound narrow or that can sound confusing. But how many times have you heard somebody say, or how many times have you thought this when you thought about or you heard somebody maybe say that statement on TV or on the radio or in a conversation in your backyard about this? Did you ever think, wow, confusing, irritating, narrow? Have you thought about this? Practical. Oh my gosh, that's, that's just incredibly practical. And that's what we talked about last week. He said, how does restoration happen between two people? This is John's point. How does it happen? You have two people in a great relationship. They're broken. Now, they have a broken relationship. How does restoration ever happen in any relationship throughout the entire history of the world? How do you have two people who are broken come back together if they come back together, if they come back together? Well, both of them have to be willing to go to the cross. Both parties have to say, you know what, I'm going to lose, I'm going to give up my pride. I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to come and I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And that's, that's the way of Jesus. That's what he's talking about. It's extremely practical. Last week we said, here's a challenge. It's a challenge with this. If this is the only way that it works, and it's the only way that it works, and it's very, very practical, and it's the way all of our relationships functions. He said, do you have somebody that you have a broken relationship with? You should pray about it. Jesus says, you know, okay, it's right with God, and I've got to make it right with other people because the one affects the other constantly. On Sunday, we had somebody go to the prayer wall, had a broken relationship, prayed, and by Monday night, the relationship was restored. That's awesome. I think it's incredible. And I just want to take a pause for a second and thank the prayer team for doing that, but not just the prayer team. Anybody who serves on any team here, anybody who helps us set or tear down or anything in between... That would not have been possible unless all of us worked together on different teams to make that possible. Or for those of us who give generously here, it wouldn't be possible for people's relationship to be restored. It would have been impossible for that to happen last week unless we'd have done that. Or attended or invited other people. So it's the why we are here. 
The why, according to Jesus, is about being in a right relationship with God, being in a right relationship with people. And so I thank you deeply for making that kind of stuff happen. So that was last week. This week, we're going to talk about this. Love does. Love acts, never sits back. It always moves forward. It always initiates. And you'll notice this as we go through this scripture verse in 1 John. The emphasis that he puts on the fact that it is doing, it's a doing, it's an action. So here we go. Let's read it. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does, notice, the one who does what is right is righteous. Now, in the Bible, the word righteous means this. A lot of times we think, okay, righteous. Righteous is somebody who's like, they're really focused on their relationship with God and living the right way and having certain behaviors. Okay, that's part of it. But the word righteous in the Bible means to be right with God and right with others. Right with God and right with others. Are we right with God and are we right with others? Like Jesus says in Matthew 5, if you come and you're getting right with God, but you realize you're not right with others, you should leave and go make make things right. He continues on. He says, just as he is righteous, the one again who does, there's our word, does, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because... The devil. Now let's stop there. Let's talk about the devil because he's bringing up the devil. What is the? De- Sometimes talking about the devil or Satan that creeps us out a little bit. We think, wow, that's really strange and that's that's really primitive. I want you to think about a couple things. First of all, we talk about dark forces, evil forces all the time. I think there's a movie that's actually made a ton of money because there's the dark side and the dark force. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this isn't so foreign to us or fo- so 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 strange. I know years ago I had a um, I had a Mac, I had a Mac laptop and I bought a PC and somebody said, "Oh my gosh, you've gone to the dark side." So actually talking about this kind of stuff is kind of normal to us. What what is what does Satan represent? Who is Satan in scripture? We're told in scripture Isaiah 14:14 14, 14, we're told that Satan said to himself, I will be like God. He says, I will lift myself up and be like God. So what is that? That's self-centeredness. And so everything about Satan and everything about sin is represented in what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks and being incredibly self-centered, incredibly self-centered. So that's, that's, that's all it means here. So it says, the one who does what is sinful is of the... So the one who does what is selfish is of the devil because the devil has been selfish from the beginning, which is so true from the story. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy. The word destroy there means to undo over time. Now I'm going to say, you know what? Jesus Christ appeared. How come everything's not perfect? Because he says in Scripture it happens over time. You know why? Because God is working with all of us. God is working with all of us slowly. Isn't it nice to know that when we're not progressing fast enough that God's not just going to say, okay, smash, you're done. <laughs> That's very good to know because I would be gone if that was the case. So he's slowly working with us. He's working with us. He's undoing over time. He's undoing the devil's work. Verse number nine, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seeds remain in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Again, it's talking about over time, over time, a person who really has entered a, a restorative relationship with God through Jesus Christ, right? Selflessness. So God is there. He's on the cross. Jesus is there on the cross. He's, he's said he's extending. He's died to himself. He's died for our best interest, not his own interest. Our interest, and he extends forgiveness to all of us, and this is how forgiveness works in any of our relationships. You have a relationship that's broken, and somebody comes to you, and they're extending forgiveness to you. It's up to you 
whether or not you want to accept that forgiveness. If you accept that forgiveness, the relationship is restored, and the relationship can go on and be something far better than what it was before, okay? But if that is not accepted, then the relationship is never restored. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's the whole meaning of it. So, continuing on. They can't go on, they can't go on sinning because they've entered into a relationship with God. They've been born of God. In other words, the relationship has been born again. You know, my big thing about all this is, okay, John, it's great to talk about being selfless. I understand. I get it. It's practical. It works. It's very helpful. I want to be selfless, but I just can't. I just can't. I'm having a hard time. If you're anything like me, there's things that I want to do and I just can't seem to pull myself to do it. Two weeks from today, we're going to really get into this. We're going to talk about where does the power come from to help us to actually do what we know is the best thing to do. We're going to call it juicing up two weeks from today. Verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. This is how we know what love is. How do we know what love is? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Everybody, it goes back to love, and it goes back to the fact that love is selfless. It's a laying aside self-interest for our interest. If anyone has material possessions and they see a brother or a sister, not just anybody, but a brother or a sister in need, has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with what? What is that word? Actions. Love is in action with actions and in truth. This is the way love works. And this is what we want to talk about today. Love's not a feeling. You can't command somebody to have a feeling. Love is an action. It's a decision. It's something we decide to do. Feelings come and go. If love was based on a, a feeling, we'd be falling in and out of love all the time. But love is, love is an action. It's a decision. It's something that we decide to do. And he says, I command you to love each other. What exactly is love? Because we use the word love for a lot of things. Like, I love, I love pizza. I'll say that. I love pizza. I'll say I love basketball. Then I love my wife. Well, where does she fall in the grand scheme of things then? I mean, is, what, what does that mean? Pizza, basketball, wife? What's, what's the deal? So we, we use this word very, very loosely. I'm just going to give you something I thought of, right? So lo- what is love? Love is a passionate and a compassionate pursuit of another's well-being. That's what love is. Love is selfless. So you're passionately pursuing the well-being of somebody else. That's love. In a nutshell, that's love. You're doing something for somebody else. You're actually seeking. You're initiating the well-being of another person, even if you don't like that person. Even if you don't like that person. Think about parents. Sometimes we don't like our kids, right? But we pursue their well-being. Sometimes they're really difficult, but we pursue their well-being. That's what it means. That's what it means to love. I read a letter recently. I just want to read it to you. I'll change the names a little bit, but here we go. Dear John, I love you so much. I can't stop thinking about you since we broke up. You are truly an exceptional man, and I want you to know how much you mean to me. And it is my heartfelt desire to restore our relationship as soon as possible, sincerely in the person's name. And then a P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. Oh, what, is, what exactly is love? What is the motivation behind our love? Is it self-love? 
Is it other love? True love, true love is selfless. It, it is pursuing the well-being of another person, even, even if we don't like that person. I remember as a young guy, I was, I was watching the news early one morning, and General Norman Schwarzkopf was on. He was there, they were getting ready to send the troops out into Desert Storm, and he was giving his, like, his final speech to the soldiers who were getting ready to go out. And I was amazed at what he decided to say in those moments to those soldiers who were getting ready to go out. He says, you know what? He says, today you're going to do acts of bravery and courage. Today you're going to put your life at risk for your fellow soldiers around you. And here's the reason why you're going to do it. And then he said something I never anticipated. You're going to do it because of love. You're going to do it because you love the brothers and sisters around you. You're going to do it because you have love in your heart, and it's going to cause you to act and be courageous. Wow, that's incredible. Love, love causes us to act in selfless ways. Jesus Christ says in John chapter 13, how will people know that we're followers of him? They will know you by your love. So it is the very center. It's the centerpiece of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what it's really all about. How important is it? Well, Jesus says the entire Bible, all the rules, all the commands, everything you read in the Bible really depend, hang on this one thing. That's how important it is, love. Everything that you read about in the Bible is depending on one thing, love. And what is love? Love is selflessness. It is the pursuit of somebody else's woman. That's how important it is. Our relationship with God, our relationship with others, one affects the other, and it's all based on selflessness. It requires courage, bravery, and action because it initiates. John tells us here in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19, he says, we love because he first loved us. What did, he took initiation. He acted first. He didn't wait for us. Well, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait for them to come to their senses and come to me. No, no, he acted first. You ever, you ever had a situation in a relationship, somebody's kind of irritated you a little bit, bothered you, and you're like, man, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait for them. I'm going to make them grovel in their pain. I'm just going to make them. I'm going to be cold to them. I'm going I'm to sit back. Is any, maybe, maybe some of us this morning are sitting back. Maybe some of us this morning are just, you know, I'm going to make them suffer a little bit, but I'm not going to engage in the relationship. That's not love, just so we're clear. What Jesus is saying is that love always initiates, always moves forward. So if we're, if we're in a relationship today and we're sitting back and we're not pursuing, we're not moving ahead to make it right, that's something, but it's not love because love initiates even when you don't like the other person. It's hard. Who of us today needs to make a phone call or needs to tap somebody on the shoulder and say, yeah, can we talk? That's love working, and that takes tremendous courage, bravery, and selflessness to do that. That's what he's talking about. Krista's number one request, my wife, her number one request of me over the years has always been the same thing. When we have a problem, fix it. Make it right. Come to me. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't make me wait for days. Don't make me wait for hours. Don't make me wait for weeks, right? Fix it and make it right. And what happens many times in relationships, marriage and other relationships included, if you don't initiate, if you don't seek to make it right over a period of time, there's just a tremendous, it gets as big as the Grand Canyon. Love never sits back. 
It initiates to restore a broken relationship. So it is the greatest commandment of all. Jesus said, what's, you know, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest command? Love God, love others. It's the greatest commandment. It's the greatest commandment. It also, because it's the greatest commandment, everybody, it has the greatest benefits. And this is what I want to talk about in the conclusion of this message today. I want us to really think for a moment when our relationship is right with God, how it affects our relationship with others, and when our relationship is right with other people, how does it impact our relationship with God? Because those two things are connected. They're not disconnected. It's been John's whole point in this sermon called First John about this connection between the two, and there's tremendous benefits when we have both of those horizontal and vertical relationships working right. And I want to give you three major things today, all right? So here they are. Number one, people come to church. I read this survey many, many years ago, over a decade now. People come to church, whether they're a church person or they've never been to church in their life, whether they're a church person or never been to church in life, they come to church for top reason. Do you know what it is? The number one reason why people say, you know what, I'm, 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 going, I'm going to church. I'm going to church today. Here's my number one hope. I want to experience God. I want to sense God's presence. I want to experience God, number one, okay? Number two, this is what I hear all the time. I've heard it for over 20 years of ministry. I want to experience God. Number two, I want more of my prayers answered. Number three, I want to know more of God's will. So I want more of God, I want more answers, and I want more clarity on God's will. Can you... Would you believe it that what is being said here in 1 John is that our relationship with other people affects all of that vertically? This is, this is what John is talking about, and I want to show you where. First of all, number one, our experience with God. Top request for people when they come to church. All right. So we come here, and boom, you want to experience God. Well, maybe, maybe we can't experience God to the level that we want to because our relationship with other people is undermining that. Check this out. Chapter 4, verse number 7, 1 John says this, Seek the best for one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves others is born of God and knows God through personal experience. So love, we love God, we love others, we're selfless, we get to know God, he says in the end, through a personal experience. The word know in the Bible doesn't just communicate facts. It means having a personal experience, something that's palpable in our life. Do we want to experience more of God? What's the number one reason people come to church in America? Well, as our relationship is right with others, as we're seeking to make sure that people we don't know that we're riding the metro with or driving around in cars with, riding other cars, people we don't know, people we brush by or we treat them in love, and then people we do know people we do know that we interact with every day, if we are treating them right in a loving way, like in a selfless way, that impacts, that impacts our experience with God. That's fascinating to me. Are you serious? I have another verse for you. Same chapter, chapter 4, verse number 12. If we love one another with unselfish concern, God abides in us and his love, that is his essence, abides in us. So, Plain and simple, what John is saying. If our relationship with other people is right, if it's a loving relationship, it's a selfless relationship, if we're treating other people the way we would want to be treated, all of those things, it affects my experience with God. 
Number one. Number two, we get greater clarity on the will of God. Chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. Chapter 2, 9 to 11. Look what it says. Anyone who claims to be in the light, light represents truth. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Now, in other words, if I want light, if I want truth, I want to understand the will of God for my life. I want that light shining on. God, what do I do? What do I do? Do I turn right? Do I turn left? Do I take this job? Do I do this? Do I marry this person? Do I accept this date? Do I accept this job? Whatever it might be, whatever it might be, if I want greater clarity on God, what's your will? then I have to think about my relationships to other people because if I'm walking in the light means I'm treating other people in a loving way. When I'm treating other people in a loving way, I'm walking in the light and that means I have greater clarity on the will of God. He ends all of them saying, they do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So when we're not treating people in a loving way, darkness, that's not where we want to be. We don't want to be in the darkness. Want the light, the clarity. Okay, final one. More answers to prayer. Are you serious? Yes. John, are you serious that if I treat other people right, that God is going to answer more of my prayers? I don't know. This is what he says. Chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. We have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Everything that proceeds, it's all about loving people. Because we keep his commands. The command is to love other people. And do what pleases him. What pleases him is to love other people. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded. What does it mean to believe in the name of Jesus Christ? It means to love other people. So everything that John's talking about just keeps coming back. He says, you know what? God's going to answer your prayer. Jesus says it himself in John 14, 14. He says, you may ask me anything in my name. What's his name? It means that you are carrying out the character of God, which is love. You can ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. How you treat other people affects your answers to prayer. There is a verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, number 7, and it says this, if husbands mistreat their wives, are disrespectful to their wives, then the Bible says don't even bother praying because it's going to hinder your prayers. Oh my gosh, you serious? I said this verse a number of years ago. It happened to be Super Bowl Sunday. And a guy ran up to me after, and he said, oh, my gosh, my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are in the Super Bowl. I'm going to thank you so much. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do nothing but apologize to my wife the entire afternoon because I want nothing, nothing to stand in the way of my team winning. That is my prayer, so i got to get it all out. Okay, whatever motivates you, right, whatever motivates you. But here's the thing that he's saying, that if we are making sure that things are right with other people, it's going to change. Now, some of this just really, really makes sense, right? So we get more of God, we get more answers to prayer, and more of His will in our life. So it's the greatest commandment, and it has the greatest benefits, and it kind of totally makes sense because this is how life works. I mean, when you really think about it, this is kind of how life works. You have somebody in your life that you love, you care for, family, friend, whatever, right? You have somebody you love, you care for, right? Somebody else mistreats them. Somebody says something to them, does something to them, whatever. Does that change your experience with that other person? Did you catch that? So you have somebody you love, you care for a lot, and somebody over here that you know mistreats this person you love, says something, does something, I don't know what it is. Does it change your experience with this person over here? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. Well, we're told to pray our Father, not my Father, our Father. It means we're all His children. It means He loves every single one of us. And He's very, very concerned about how we treat other people. And when we mistreat other people who are His children, who He loves very, very much, we do something, then it's going to change our experience with Him. You can think about it as, uh, as a family with kids. All right? I love both my kids. I love both my kids a lot. Both of them. But if one of my kids mistreats another one of my kids, right, does something wrong to them, it's going to change my experience with the one that mistreated the other child, right? When I'm around them, I'm gonna, it's probably going to be a little bit more, it's going to be cold. It's going to feel a little drafty. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? It's going to be colder. My presence is going to be a little bit colder, not warm. We want, we want the warmth of God's presence, right? Well, if one kid mistreats another kid, that child of mine, who I love very much, who I'm not liking a lot right now because of it, but I still love them, but I don't really like them, it's going to change their experience with me. That's right. So we want to experience God. How about this one? They come to me with a, with a prayer request. Dad, can I, have, can I have the keys to the car? Will you answer my prayer and give me the keys to the car? Or would you give me money or whatever? Okay? Okay. Am I going to be as inclined to answer that prayer? I'm not. I'm not because of the way that they have treated my other child. So this is just incredibly practical in nature. We must really think about how we are treating people, those we don't know and people that we do know. Love says in the morning you get up and you go out into your day because of love and you pursue the well-being of other people, people you know, people you don't know. Like, to go against the flow means to do that because the flow for us would be for me to get up in the morning every single day. So you know, my aim for today is to go out and do whatever is going to work best for me. Like I'm not intentionally going to make somebody else's life bad. Not all the time. Sometimes, yes. But you know, I'm not going to do that. But love would say, no, no, you're going to initiate. You're going to act because love does. You're actually going to get up in the morning. God, help me to be a blessing. To other people. Help me to pursue the well-being of other people, even the people I don't like. Even the people I don't care for. To go out of my way. That's what love is. And God says, when you do that here on a horizontal level, it opens everything up on a vertical level. Some of us are limiting ourselves. We're standing in our own way of what God wants to do in our life. Whether we want to experience God, we want prayers answered, we want greater clarity. We are standing in our own way because of the way we're treating the people that God loves. Totally changes the experience. Even the people we don't like. Now, here's the hard part. Here's the super hard part, super hard part. And my community group on Wednesday night got into this thing. What about the people who have done us wrong? What about this thing where Jesus says, you know what? Because of love, because you're a follower of mine, even your enemies, even your enemies, pray to bless them. Even seek their... It doesn't mean we need to be a doormat. doesn't mean... But, but seek their well-being, even those, even those. We got into this in my group on Wednesday night, big discussion, what, you know, we're going back and forth. And finally, we decided at the end of the group, what we were going to do is we're going to pray. Like each of them one of us went around and we said, yeah, well, we didn't give the names. Sometimes we gave initials or we said it's this group or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But here we're going to do it. We didn't want to do it. We weren't excited about doing it, but we realized, wait a minute, because the scriptures are so clear from 1 John, it's so clear from Jesus that if you do this, 
your experience with God changes. And if you don't do this, it's like you're limiting yourself. And so even if you don't want to do it, you've got to launch out and you've got to do it. So we prayed. We all went around, had a prayer, and it was tough. You know what's fascinating? The next day, the next day, I was contacted by someone who a number of years back really did me wrong, really did me wrong in a public way, like really did me wrong. I don't like this person. Is that clear? Without getting into the details, there's an issue. There is an issue with this person. They did me wrong in a public way, really bothered by it, you know, fighting against those feelings for all this time. And this person contacted, and they have made a mistake with something. They've made a mistake, and they've come to me for help. They've come to me for help. And it is within my power to do them good. You follow me? It is in my power to do them good. Now, in order to do that, oh, oh, do you you understand what I'm talking about? Because my first, the first reaction when I heard this was, (laughs) suffer, right? I'm just being honest. Serves you right. This was the first reaction. Right? And there was like a war going on inside of me. So are you going to be a rebel? Are you going to swim against that flow? Are you going to swim upstream? Are you going to go against that flow? Because everything inside of me says, no, man, get them. And I totally have it in my power to either bless them or make them suffer at this point. So I made a decision. I'm quitting my community group. <laughs> no. Done. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you for clapping. I feel the same way. (laughs) Really tough. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to end up helping them, just so you know. Just so you don't think I'm a jerk, okay? We're going to end up helping them. Although I don't want to, but I will because he says so, all right? Here's the thing. Our relationship with other people, the fact that we go out and we spread love into the world affects my relationship, affects my experience with God, answers to prayer, and clarity on his will. I think that's phenomenal because those are the three things for over 20 years of ministry that people keep coming and saying, I want, I want it myself. People come to say, how? I want, just tell me how to get more of that in my life. And what John has told us here in this sermon in First John is, is here, it, here is how it happens. Here is how you can take the cap off of what limits us. A lot of times we think it's all just this way, and Jesus says, no, it's also this way because one affects the other. Now, is there somebody in your life that you need to make something right with? Is there a relationship that you need to correct? Is there a phone call, a text, an email, a conversation that needs to be made? That's A. Somebody's done you wrong or whatever, or you've done them wrong. I don't know, but you need to reach out because love acts. It never sits back. It always acts. It always does. Is there something that you need to do? That's A. B, how about just the people we encounter in the world every day? Do you get up? Do you launch out of bed in the morning? God, how can I pursue the well-being of any person that I come in contact with? Because that's what love does. Love motivates us to do that. That's what, that is really what Jesus Christ is, is, is all about. Will you do that? Will you begin to look at your day differently? I read yesterday that 89% of Americans, the very first thing that they do in the morning is they go to their phone. Okay. Maybe tomorrow, before you go straight to the phone, maybe you can go straight to a prayer and say, God, how can I spread your love in the world? And you know what's interesting about it? It'll come back around and be a major blessing to you. We're getting ready to do something as a church, as a whole group corporately, and we encourage you to participate in this. 
We encourage you to invite people to this. We're going to have a big service day. We're going to just love on people all over this community. We're going to gather at Kenmore Middle School. We've partnered with, with our organizations that we partner with all the time. Who are blessed. You know what? And I know some of us say, you know what? Well, some, some people who are in a part of these organizations, because we're going to do all kinds of stuff, right? We're packaging diapers and food and tons and tons of produce. We might say, you know what? Not everybody who is going to benefit from this is worthy. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the tough thing. But it's a selfless act on our part to bless the many people out there that God wants to bless because they are all his children. And we're going to gather together on Cinco de Mayo as one big corporate body to do this. I want to encourage you between now and then on an individual level to begin to look at the world differently through the eyes of Jesus Christ and how you can spread his love to other people. And as you do, it'll change. It'll change your experience with God. Last note, this is going to take a lot of bravery for some of us. Some of us in this room right now, our minds are spinning like, oh my gosh, man, you telling me I got to reach out to this person. You got to tell me that I've got to initiate after 90% of this problem is their problem. Well, I'm not telling you that, but I think this is what the scripture's telling us. And so what, what John throws in in here is this. He says, love cast out fear. To be a loving person, as Norman Schwarzkopf says, takes a tremendous amount of bravery and courage to act. Because we feel like if we act and we act first, that somehow, so we just want to sit back in fear. But to be a loving person means we have to be courageous and be willing to cross that line, to put our own lives at risk, so to speak, to cross that line to be loving and to be courageous because perfect love casts out fear. So I want to pray. I want to pray here in conclusion. That God would help us because there are going to be some conversations that happen after this today. There are going to be some conversations, those watching on Grace Live or over at West Falls Church. There's some serious stuff. There's some marriages that are going to be affected by this today. There's some friendships. There's some family relationships, right? Family denial. There's going to be stuff that's affected by this, and I just want to pray that God would help us and he would guide those conversations that are going to happen so that we would not limit our relationship with God. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everybody that is here in this room this morning. I thank for those over at West Falls Church and for those on Grace Live. God, for many of us, this has triggered something that, oh my goodness, Maybe it's the way I treat somebody I barely know, or maybe it's the way I treat strangers, or maybe it's the way I treat that person that we used to have a good relationship, but now it's broken and there's a problem and it's really mostly their fault, but now I've got to do something. God, give us courage and strength to act, to not sit back, but to take the initiative and to do something because your love is compelling us, compelling us. And as we do, would you confirm it by us having a greater and more wonderful experience with you, walking in your light, seeing our prayers answered, and experiencing the warmth of your presence in Christ's holy name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.